reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do what is right. For soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The word of the Lord. from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, now I am speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I glorify my ministry in order to make my own flesh and blood jealous and thus save some of them. 
For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Just as you were once disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they now have been disobedient, in order that, by the mercy shown to you, they too may now receive mercy. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience, so that he may be merciful to all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the woman came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Ah, yes, Lord but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise My friends, I have been asked to make one pre-announcement. Halton Alive, which is the Right to Life organization here in Halton, um, is not going to be in a position, unfortunately, to host in person its typical annual fundraising gala, uh, which is normally held in October. 
But what they have done is to create something very imaginative, what they are referring to as a gala in a box experience, a virtual fundraising gala. And you would be able to order a box and participate in the online silent auction that will take place on the October 16th date, which would have been the day of the banquet. All of these kinds of things will be, of course, ways of assisting in the efforts of local pro-life education. So if you went to haltandalive.ca, you would get all the information that you would need in that regard, and we'll try to put something about that up on our own website as well. Halt and Alive is always, of course, completely dependent on the generosity of those who are supporters of the right to life and the educational work, the excellent work which they do in order to help us all to become much more aware. So we rejoice in the ordination to the priesthood this very morning of our own Paul Edmonston, now Father Paul Edmonston, together with those who were ordained to the priesthood with him this morning and those ordained permanent deacons last evening. Please, as we have been asking you, pray for all of these men that they will be able to serve God worthily and well in the ordained ministry. And again, a reminder that even though Father Paul's first Mass of Thanksgiving tomorrow afternoon is by invitation only, he has offered to come and to be outside after the 9 o'clock and after the 11 o'clock Masses tomorrow so that anyone who would like to come and receive his first blessing or to converse with him is more than welcome to do so. So I invite you to be aware of that that after our 9 and 11 o'clock Masses, Father Paul will be available outside and be very happy to speak to anyone who would like to greet him. In addition to that, we had the sorrow of the loss of Father Paul's grandmother, Barbara Blake, who passed away very soon after the shutdown took place on the 30th of March, to be exact. Her funeral service, her funeral Mass, has been waiting until her grandson would be ordained to the priesthood. So it will be taking place here at Holy Rosary on Tuesday upcoming with visitation in the church from 10 until 11 and then the funeral mass at 11 o'clock with Father Paul presiding. You know, um, these fellows were supposed to have been ordained priests at the beginning of May. And Nothing this year has happened the way that anybody had planned. But I found that I was smiling wryly as I thought that the original weekend of their ordination was the Sunday that we typically call, right in the middle of the Easter season, Good Shepherd Sunday. Jesus is the gate of the sheepfold, and he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Oh, what an easy task for someone preaching at the first Mass of Thanksgiving of a newly ordained priest to be able to preach on those kinds of themes and to make all sorts of connections for the newly ordained. I'm not sure how to feel about those who are going to be preaching at the first Masses of our newly ordained this weekend with this very, very peculiar gospel, including the one who will be preaching here tomorrow, but it's not me. Uh, but I do want to just sympathize with them somehow in trying to make those connections. As I did think about it, though, 
I wondered if maybe it would be possible to make a connection with those who are taking on the responsibility and embarking on the great journey of the priesthood. But what we're faced with in this story, of course, is Jesus behaving in a way that we don't usually imagine him behaving. Not unless he's doing battle with the Pharisees or something like that. But here is this person who is desperately in need, and he does everything from ignore her to insult her, and everything in between. And you sort of wonder, what is going on here? There is a certain context that's necessary that I think can assist us. And it has more application to our own situation, both priests and lay people, than we might think. This kind of story actually finds its way, one way or the other, into all of the Gospels. And you have to remember that the Christian religion arose out of the Jewish experience, among other things. It arose in a very fundamental way out of the Jewish experience. And the Jewish people had, of course, always thought of themselves as the chosen ones of the Lord. God had made of them a people very peculiarly and uniquely his own. And sometimes they didn't really remember too well all that that was supposed to mean. We heard in our first reading today from the book of the prophet Isaiah a proclamation that the nations, all the nations, all the foreigners, as it was called, would all be coming. They would be invited to be part of this, my house is a house of prayer for all peoples. And yet, unfortunately, the history of the people of Israel had been that often they had been much more exclusionary rather than inclusive. So here we have a Canaanite woman, who is, of course, a foreigner. The district of Tyre and Sidon was very much on the outside of Israel. It was foreign territory. It was pagan territory. And here is this pagan woman who is coming and is, well, Quite frankly, she's demanding that Jesus do something for her and the need and the suffering that she is having with her daughter, who is undergoing demonic possession. Some scholars have argued that the way in which Jesus responds may be a reflection, kind of read back into the story of Jesus, of how the early Christian church itself struggled somewhat. Because, of course, in the beginning, it was created from its Jewish roots. And the Acts of the Apostles tells us more than one story of great struggle about exactly how those who weren't coming from Judaism were to be admitted into the community. St. Paul being, of course, their number one advocate some scholars have argued, perhaps more strangely still to our ears, that maybe even Jesus himself personally was hesitating. After all, he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
Maybe that he wasn't entirely sure what he was supposed to do with these persons who were coming from the hither and the yon and seeking God's blessing and protection. And many other theories, of course, always end up surfacing in these situations. I have always tended to find that I favor the interpretation that what Jesus was really doing here was partly playing a little bit of a game with this woman. Not a game to make fun of her, but a game in which he was fully aware of just how sharp and just how full of faith she was. And always remember, I've said this over and over, when Jesus undertook any miraculous work, it was never done for and only for the person who directly benefited from it. He always had an audience. The apostles were watching. Oftentimes Jewish leaders or other scribes and Pharisees were watching what Jesus did. And the disciples, of course, figure right here in this story. Send her away. Get rid of her. She keeps shouting after us. They don't sound like they've learned anything from the occasion of the multiplication of the loaves and fishes when they were telling Jesus to send the people away. And he said they needn't go away. Let us feed them. So the disciples watched what Jesus did, and they had to struggle with it and wrestle with it, just like people always had to wrestle with the parables that Jesus told, so they had to wrestle with the actions that he undertook. So the woman comes to him, and I like to think that she enters into this little game when he says, oh, you know, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to you dogs. Oh, yes, Lord, but even the dogs get to eat what falls at the foot of the table. She just plays back nimble repartee, word for word, line for line. It's as though they know exactly what they're doing here. And it is meant to be an opening out to the gift of faith and the gift of healing for people far beyond the confines of the Jewish religion out of which Jesus arose. He has come to be the savior of the entire world. So what does he finally end up saying to her, woman, great is your faith. And this might lead you to think, well, maybe he was testing her faith. Maybe he was testing it. Fair enough, except that one might persuasively argue that he wasn't testing it because he needed to have it tested, that he was testing it because she needed to have it tested. She needed to be able to persist in the prayer and to persist in the coming forward in order to show to herself the strength of her own faith. And having succeeded in doing so, she is now wide open to the great power of the Lord God in Jesus Christ. And her daughter was healed instantly, and she became one among many signs and examples of persons from all walks of life, all races, all religions, all situations morally and physically, who were invited by Jesus to come in and to be part of it all. 
What, you might ask, does any of this have to do with a newly ordained priest on the day of his first mass? I would suggest it has an immense amount to do with one who is starting out on the, war, on the role, on the ministry of reaching out. Because, as I can say for sure after 40 years, when you are a priest, you do encounter all kinds. You encounter every imaginable situation and all kinds of people from all kinds of situations. And you are called upon to be someone who, like Jesus, in the end intends to reach out to every single one of them, not to exclude anyone, not to believe that anyone is beyond redemption, and to recognize that the surprises of God can actually be wonderful opportunities for growth for that person and indeed for the priest who ministers to them. And likewise, in our own lives too, for each of us are called as God's people to be ministers. We meet all kinds. We encounter all sorts of situations and surprises. People whom we would never perhaps have even begun to imagine would have any inkling or any spark of faith or of interest in it prove to be surprisingly much more open to what we believe than we thought they would be. And others perhaps disturb us by being the other way. Every one of us is called to remember that the salvation Jesus brought about was universal. One of the great things we call our church is, of course, Catholic. And Catholic is not meant primarily to be a denominational term. Catholic is meant to be what we call a mark of the church. It's Catholic. It's spread throughout the entire world. It digs deep into the soil of every culture and of every way of life. It proclaims the fullness of faith. It is Catholic in that it is all outreaching and all embracing. And on the weekend of ordination of new priests, I think that's a good thing for me to remind myself of. We are meant to be all outreaching and all embracing and to never be surprised at how God can surprise us, at how he can work marvelous works and how he can inspire and deepen faith in the places we might least expect to find it. Maybe some of those places will deepen our own faith, too. We hope that our podcasts have been inspiring. And now, our pastor, Father Martin, offers a few closing words. Thank you for joining us. I offer a special greeting to members of our parish family unable, by sickness or other reason, to worship with us in person, and to anyone visiting our parish via these podcasts. Please share the readings and homilies with others by inviting them to our website, where they can find them all, day by day. To learn more about our parish community, please visit our website at holyrosaryburlington.com and be sure to share our site with family and friends. We do look forward to hearing from you, so please email us with your comments. And thank you for your prayers and support.